unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Somebody clap for Jesus. Somebody say Jesus is wonderful. Just, just thank God. Praise the Lord. If it wasn't for Jesus. You know, sometimes I ask myself, if we had not seen Jesus, if we had not had Jesus in our lives, how were we going to? Praise the Lord. I don't know that sometimes you sit there and ask, what if I was without Jesus? What would I be? Hallelujah. Jesus heals, delivers, comforts. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank God for what he has done. All right, can raise our hands and just worship God. His presence is here. God just doesn't want to heal you. He wants to increase you. He wants to multiply you. He wants to set you apart. He wants to consecrate you. He wants to work in your life. God wants to speak to you. God wants to minister to your spirit today. Somebody worship God. The Prince of God is here. Somebody launch deeper. The presence of God is here. There is no one like God. Come on. Somebody with a very bad pain in your stomach. God is healing you. There's a lady on my left. You've been having a very bad stomach ache in the lower abdomen. Jesus is healing you now. 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 Hoshele Come on, speak to God like He's going to do something in your life. Zen 
Come on, thank you for the life. Thank you. Someone has a sick mother. And she's she has cancer. Receive for your mom now and I dare you you'll testify I dare you you'll testify you are magnificent Oh 
in a few days from now in the name of Jesus 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 thank you Lord come on give the Lord a mighty hand of praise you are you may be seated Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know, some people don't know how to receive from God. A bit painful. I'll tell you what I mean. The Bible says that when Jesus went preaching, the power to heal was present. But the power to heal does not only limit the healing of disease. It can, it can mean any other healing. Emotional, physical, financial. So every time I tell you God is here and is healing, receive. Just receive. Don't limit God to what has been said. Probably your issue has not been mentioned. Probably your issue has not been mentioned. I see an elevation. That's what I see. In the name of Jesus, receive it. It's an elevation and it is of God. It's of God. The Bible says promotions come from neither east nor west, but they come from the Lord. In the name of Jesus. Somebody say, I receive it too. Just say, I receive it. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Somebody say, Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Genesis chapter 6. Verses 8. Genesis chapter 6, verses 8. If you're there, you say, Amen. 
you're not yet there, we can wait for you. Hallelujah. Are we there? Genesis chapter 6, verses 8. 1, 2, 3, let's go. Uh-huh. In the eyes of the Lord. One more time. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. One more time. And Noah found grace in the Lord. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Many of you, or some of you, are acquainted to the laws that govern biblical study. Hallelujah. The Bible, even if it looks like it is straightforward, it is not straightforward. Do you understand what I mean? The Bible looks like it is what? Straightforward, but it is not what? Straightforward. The Bible is not just information. It is revelation. And because the Bible is revelation, it means that everything you read is not just plain. It comes with something to it. And that is why the Bible says that the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. Hallelujah. Some people think you just read the Bible and then you get a story of Noah and then you go back home and then you say, ah, I read a, I read a story of Noah and it was nice. You understand? The word of God is like a seeking. You understand? So when the Bible says, seek ye the Lord, it's not, it's not only in prayer, but it's also in the word. Are you with me? That is why the Bible says that incline your ears on these words. You know? He says they are health to what? To them that what? The Bible says they are life unto those that find them and they are health to all their flesh. So when the Bible says that they are life to them that find them, it means there is a, there is a finding of the words of God. It's not just straightforward that you read in newspapers. No, you find in the word. Somebody say amen. You find in the word. You can be reading the book of Genesis, yes, but it's another thing when you find something in the book of Genesis. And when a person gets to the place where they have found something, that's when they receive life from the word of God and health to their flesh. As I say, but I read the Bible, but I'm sickly every day. It's because you read the word you don't find. Or you find nothing in what you read. Somebody say amen. But when you live a consistent life of, of relationship with God, you start to find certain things. And when you find those things, those things give you life and health. Hallelujah. Somebody say, I pray I be a finder. Say it again, I pray I be a finder. Yeah, so it's a, it's, it's a, it's a deliberate mind of God to reveal. So the consequence of us finding out or stumbling on revelation is the very essence that gives us the grace to walk in the life of the scriptures and the health that they're supposed to give. That is why you cannot know the word and find it every day and be sickly. It's not possible. Somebody say it's not possible. It's important you say those words. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, because the words are found, we have to treat the word of God like a place where we find life and a place where we ignite our spirit. Somebody say, man, you just, just read the word. No, there's something in the word that is powerful. There are people who read the Bible in a way that they don't know God. But when you start to know God, you realize that the Bible is not just information, it is life. And therefore, because of that consequence, you, we don't just read the Bible. The Bible has laws. 
of study. You understand? There are various laws of study. Everybody can read the Bible, but there are various laws of study. For example, some of you know what they call the law of first mention. And I'm going to come to that. There are things like um, the law of repetition. Do you understand? The essence where sometimes the word of God is repeated in different places. The law of context. They're all, in other words, that whatever you read, in regardless of how you read it, you must respect the context. Oh, in everything that you read, always take time to understand the context in which it is what? It is what? It is written. The Bible also has things like the law of progressive mention. Where God consistently, progressively gets a man from one place of revelation into another, into another, into another. For you to understand and appreciate his mind. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible has things like the law of discrimination. But what I'm talking about in discrimination, I'm not talking about discrimination in your your definition. No. The place where God makes a division between two distinct things and gives an explanation They complete each other in a total sum, but that distinction draws a certain understanding of God in the clearest sense. So there are many, many such what? Things. Hallelujah. Repetition. Double. Subsequent mention. ETC. Now, why did I mention that? In the law of first mention, it means that usually the first time a word is mentioned, the first time a word appears in the Bible, it means that it has a very distinctive meaning in how it will be used all through to the end. Are we together? The way a word appears in the first time, it means it defines how it will be used or it should be used all through. Are we together? You can't change its context. You can't change its pattern. Okay? So the Bible says, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now, all my years, I never understood grace until I understood that scripture. And I'm going to explain to you why. When the Bible says, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, you might think that that scripture says that Noah took time and then he started looking for the grace of God. And he looked for it. And then after he found it, then he says, ah, because of what you've done, Noah, now you've found grace in the eyes of the Lord. It would mean that there was a set of things Noah did to find grace. But that is not so. That is not so. That is not true to the context. There's something deeper to that. It's okay to say that, but there's something deeper to that. And I'm going to show it to you. Message. I want to first speak from the Message Bible, then I explain to you why. The Message Bible says, "Uh uh-huh, but Noah was different, Uh uh-huh. God liked what he saw in Noah. Are you seeing that? Noah was different. God liked what he saw in Noah. 
Have you seen that? Noah was different. God liked what he saw in Noah. That changes the whole context. The whole mind now goes to what God saw in Noah than what Noah did to God. Are we together? The whole context changes from what Noah did for God to what God found in Noah. So actually, in the right mind, I would say, in the eyes of God, Noah found grace. I don't know if I'm making sense. In the eyes of God, Noah found grace. In the eyes of God, Noah found grace. In the eyes. In the eyes. In the eyes of God. So it begins from how God starts to see things for Noah to find grace. Not from how Noah starts to see things, but from how God starts to see things for Noah to find grace. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. God has given us grace because of how he sees us. Can I say it again? God has dealt with us grace because of how he sees us. He knows man without him. He knows man with him. He knows man in the flesh. He knows man with a soul. And he knows man as a spirit. And he knows man without a spirit. And because of that, he gives us grace. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. So, in the eyes of God, that's why I always tell people, grace is the eyes of Christ on you. That's what grace is. It's the eyes of Christ on you. The way he sees you is what grace is. The way God sees you is the, is, is, is the beginning of grace. Not the way you see yourself. Not the way people see you. Not the way you think about yourself. Not the way people think about you. But the way God sees you. I don't know that you understand what I mean. People can think about you different. But God sees you different. You understand? You can think about yourself differently. But God sees you different. You understand? Anything can paint you different. But God sees you differently. So the essence of understanding the grace of God is to get into Christ and then see yourself the way he sees you. So, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. It's more than just what he did to attain grace. Because, I'll qualify this. In Romans chapter 4, Paul explains what grace is. He says, to him that worketh, if Noah had done something to deserve that grace, he says, to him that worketh, is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. If a man works for it, it means that God is indebted to him. So it's not grace. Grace does not give any part of God being indebted to you because you don't even deserve it. Are we together? So it says, now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. And the next line says, 
But to him, the Bible says, that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. You see that? This man worked not, but believed in him that justifieth the ungodly, and his faith, the Bible says, was counted for righteousness. It's not grace if you've worked for it. And therefore, I don't think that God was saying, Noah worked hard to attain grace. No. On the contrary, Noah had done nothing yet, and he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. If it is grace, Noah could not have worked for it. Somebody say amen. I said if it is grace, Noah could not have worked for it. But it is grace because Noah didn't work for it. And if it's not worked for, it can only mean that it had to begin with the eyes of God seeing him and finding grace with him and favoring him and gracing him for him to find. I don't know whether I'm speaking to somebody. That's the beginning of understanding grace. The beginning of understanding grace is to you understanding that it's not what you did. It's how God saw you. It's how God saw you. It's how God saw you. That is why one time I told you guys, I don't know where I was. Was I here? One time I had a vision and Jesus took me. I was like on the cross one day, like in the experience of the cross. And through his eyes, I could see him looking at everyone and he said, Lord, forgive them for they know not. You understand? And in the vision I could see, it wasn't only the men which crucified him. No, it was everyone there, the human race. There was a problem with the race of humanity. That there is something human beings don't know. That is why the devil could lie to Eve in the garden. That God knows and they could not know that he was lying to them. You understand? The first Adamic nature doesn't know it all. Hallelujah. But you and I with an unction from on high, we know all things. Praise the Lord forevermore. Somebody say amen. It's, it's the very eyes from which I want you to see. Leave your definitions and understanding of grace and come to how God sees you. And come to how God sees you. And come to how God sees you. It's like little children. Some kids can do things and you look at them and feel pity for them. Do you understand? You're supposed to be mad. But because you know the size of the brain, you feel sorry. One time I was at the airport and the kid was walking away and the, the, the parents, they were boarding. And some kid randomly thought he just, that was his time to walk away. The small boy should have been about two years or two and a half, I think. So for him, the moment they were going to board the plane, for him that was the day he chose to what? To run away. So the man runs after the kid and gets him. And this kid swings a slap like, Swah! he misses it. Then the guy runs again. Then again he holds the kid. And then he turns to bite. I say, why is this person resisting? Going into a plane. Yet if they leave him, he will look for his father and mother. You understand? But there's a reason why he could not beat this child back. He understood the state of this boy. That he's young. 
I don't know that you understand what I'm saying. He understood the state of this young man that he was young. That's grace. That is what? Grace. Somebody say amen. So, even in this instance, I want you to understand. Today, I just wanted to take a few minutes to get you from your understanding of who you are, your understanding of what his grace is to you, people's understanding. Everyone's understanding. And then get to how God understands you, how God sees you. Just for a moment, eh? let's get into the eyes of the Father and see how he sees us. And see how he sees us. So, in the right rendering of that scripture, it is supposed to be, God looked at Noah and felt like he had to have grace on him. That's exactly what happened. Because Noah did not do anything for it. Otherwise, if it was done for, it would not have been grace. And that's how God is in heaven. He looks at us and he feels like he wants to give us grace. He looks at us and he wants to give us grace. The souls that rejected God, the Bible says in the days of Noah, when they were taken to prison in Peter, the Bible says God, I think, Jesus thought about them. And in his mind he realized even those ones, even though they've refused me, 1 Peter 3.18, he says that's what Christ did definitely. Suffered because of other sins, the righteous one for the unrighteous ones, and he went through it all and he was put to death and then made a life to bring us to God. He went, the Bible says, and proclaimed God's salvation to earlier generations which ended up in the prison of judgment because they would not listen. You know, even though God waited patiently all the days that Noah built his ship, only a few were saved, then eight to be exact, saved from the water by water. You see, even those guys who had refused and rejected to listen, Jesus went to them also. And he says, let me preach to you. Uh, No, see from the eyes of God. Don't see from your eyes. Don't see from my eyes. See from the eyes of Christ. He went to even those souls and he said, even these ones, let me die for them. Let me preach to them. They were in the prison of judgment. They were awaiting judgment. He was no under obligation to bring them out, but he still went for them and said, I'm preaching to you. Ladies and gentlemen, can you think that maybe there is more than we've read about the grace of God? That's all Peter could reveal. I don't know whether he went for others. I don't know. It's not written. But I cannot limit the way he sees men. Deuteronomy 32 verse 10. Read. One, let's go. He found him in a desert land and in the west howling wilderness. He led him about. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. Can you imagine? He found the man in the desert land and in the west howling in the wilderness and he led him. You see how God is? Do you see how God is? He finds a man in the wilderness And his brain tells him, I have to lead this one out. That is regardless of the man's state. Israel had fallen. But when he looks at them, give the message of that. When he looks at them, he felt like he had to have mercy. He says he found him out in the wilderness. 
in an empty windswept wasteland. He threw his arms. Look at that. He, he looked at his child in the wilderness. And the Bible says, he, 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 in an empty and windswept wasteland, the Bible says, he threw his arms around him, lavished his, his attention on him, guarding him as the apple of his eye. You see, he found him there. And then he says, oh, this is mine. This is mine. Think with me. Think with me. How loving this God is. Think with me how loving he is. Praise the Lord. Do you think God wants to see you sick? Do you think he sits in heaven and you're in pain, languishing on your bed of sorrow? And he's saying, ah, okay, that's your problem. If you find out the truth, you'll be healed. No. The Bible says we have not an high priest which is not touched by infirmities. In every situation that you're going through, that guy knows. Let me tell you, people might not understand, but in everything you go through, that guy knows. And the Bible says, he is touched. Read it, Hebrews 4.15. He says, we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmity. There is no way you can feel pain and Jesus doesn't feel it. It's not possible. There is no way you can get hurt and Christ doesn't get hurt. No. There is no way you can weep and he doesn't weep in spite of your problem. Even if you caused yourself to weep, even if you're responsible for your weeping, he still weeps because infirmity is infirmity. Pain is pain. Weakness is weakness. His own are his own. Temple think, eh? God is like this. You do something on Thursday, then he says, ah, you, I'm not even going to talk to you. Die. Then you fall sick. I've heard that on pre- uh, preachers saying that. I've, I've had fellow believers saying that when the Lord is dealing with him, you know, he deserves it, you see? Everything you've been through, child of God, it has touched him. has touched him. Everything I go through, I know that it touches my Lord. It touches my Lord. Jesus is not indifferent to feeling. No. He feels bad too. He feels pain too. When you hurt, he feels pain. When you fail in class, he feels pain. When your business sinks, he feels pain. He's not just this guy who says, ah, Didn't I tell you? No. He's more than didn't I tell you. He's more than didn't I tell you. He wants to feel your pain too. Somebody thank him for that. Somebody thank him for that. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Let me show you something wonderful. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jeremiah 31 verses 2. <laughs> let's read. One, two, let's go. Thus says the Lord, uh-huh, the people which were left of sword found grace in the wilderness. Even Israel, when I went to cause him to rest. Are you seeing that? Israel sinned until they were left for sword. 
And judgment was for sword. Judgment was that Israel had to be killed. It was the end of Israel. Are we together? It was the end of what? Israel. And when he went there, the Bible says, they found grace in the wilderness. Even Israel, when I went to cause him to rest, he saw them when judgment was coming on them. And he says, let me go and give grace. But now, do you see how God thinks? When he finds a man in a situation, the first thing that comes to his head is, let me go help him. Don Moen sang a song years ago. I don't know that some of you remember. He said, Say to those who are fearful hearted. Who remembers that? Do not be afraid. What does the next line say? The Lord your God is strong. And with his mighty hand. When you call on his name. He will turn away his face. No. He will come and say. And he will come and save you. He will come and save you. Say to the weary one, your God will surely come. He will come and save you. Sing it one more time. He will come and save you. Turn to your neighbor. He will come and save you. Say to the weary one, your God will surely come. He will come and save you. He doesn't love it when you're hurting. Even if you're wrong, he still loves you. The Bible says they were left for sword. They were supposed to be killed. And then he says, no. I have to go and save you. In spite of your issues. He says, for even if we believe not, but lo, he abideth faithful. For he cannot deny himself. That is the God I know. Even when you're not faithful, he still abides faithful. Because he cannot go against his nature to come and save you. The reason why the church multiplied and Paul got persecution in Acts 13, 38 was because after the whole sum of preaching Christ, He says, and be it known unto you therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached the judgment. No, come on. He says, be it known unto you therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. And I love the next verse. The next verse says, and by him. Oh, oh. The Bible says, by him. Oh, that believe are justified from all 
He says, all that believe are justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. Only believe. Only believe. Tell your neighbor, only believe. Tell your neighbor, only believe. I love it in Amplified. Amplified. You're going to love it. You're going to love it. Read. So let it be clearly known and understood. Tell your neighbor, let it be clearly known and understood. Say it again. And by you, brethren. Brethren. That through this man, <laughs> he says, forgiveness and removal of sins. Some forgive and they don't remove. I say it again. Some forgive and they say, you are, I, I still have a record. I forgave you, but I still have. remember last week when you stole? Uh, I don't remember. <laughs> Look at you. Why are you playing smart on me? No, 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 no. <laughs> no, 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 no. I have the mind of Christ. <laughs> Some of you don't understand what I mean, do you? The problem with it is that when you start to preach grace, people think you're telling them to sin. No, actually, people think you're telling people the ones you're telling don't think. <laughs> but the ones who hear you telling, they're the ones who think. <laughs> and quite honestly, I don't give a damn. <laughs> it's not my problem. It's their problem. No man born of God can love sin. Even the mere assumption that people can love sin or can be encouraged to sin when they are born again. Paul calls it frivolous. It's frivolous. It's preposterous. (laughs) It's unbelievably silly. Are you with me? No. Grace is his eyes on us and us falling in love with him. And by that we walk right, by the way. Because who that is forgiven much loveth much. The Bible doesn't say sinneth more. Loveth much. Now let's go back. He says, be it known and understood. Do you know many Christians don't know that God does not only forgive but he removes Do you know many Christians don't know and don't understand that God does not only forgive, but he removes. He says, I shall forgive all their sins and throw them to the ends of the earth and the oceans. And he says, and I shall remember them no more. Eh, eh. Eh, eh. 
people don't forget, God has the ability to forget. Read it. Hebrews 8, 12. One, two, three, let's go. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquity. I will remember no more. It is possible for God to forget. That is why as a man of God, I've learned to forget that some people wronged me. Can I say it again? I've learned to forget that some people wronged me because it was the only way I could love them. Ladies and gentlemen, that is called ruling your spirit. But the Bible says, for he that ruleth his spirit is greater than he that taketh the city. It's hard to forgive and look at someone who hurt you and you feel like you love them. Do you understand? Some Christians, <laughs> I don't know that they know what Jesus did for them. <laughs> Do you know one of my most favorite scriptures? He went on the ground and wrote. She had committed adultery. He went on the ground and wrote. The only issue is many of you don't know what he wrote. Yeah, I know. And the Bible says, and he stooped down with his finger, wrote on the ground, as though he had them not. And this, they say, tempting him, that he lifted up himself and said unto them, he that is without sin among you, let him first cast a first stone. Let me, let me show you a mystery. Allow me. When, the next time I read it, you're going to get it. When they continued asking him, listen to the wording. When they continued, listen, asking him, the Bible says, he lifted up himself. Because they were lifting themselves up. I'm better than him. He's the one who has committed. Me, I am better. Me, I am... themselves up. Because every time you judge a man, you say you're better. That's why in the church we have things called slander. I was sharing with somebody so I told him, God told me long ago, if you want to flow, me this is my personal experience, eh? if you want to consistently flow in the mind of revelation, there are things you should avoid. And one of the things he warned me about is slander. Slander is not speaking lies about someone only. But even if you speak the truth with the intention to injure, you're slandering. Because that's what Satan does. The accuser of the brethren. He intends to injure. He can even expose truth to injure. The moment you stand to speak truth... But you have the mind, the intent. You might not even know. But if in its own sense it tests to God that you're injuring another. That's slander. Even if she stole the money. Don't slander. Pray for her.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because I love the way God says it. God refused to be power. He refused to be anointing. He chose to be love. And he says, they that do not love. If you want to name a man who doesn't know God, it doesn't matter how deep and how right. If you want to name a man who doesn't know God, watch a man who walks out of love. That man doesn't know God. There are things Christians do to each other and I'm sure they don't know God. They look deep, but they don't know God. They have gifts, but they don't know God. They're in a better position than the man they speak against, but they don't know. Noah found grace in the eyes of God. God looked at Noah and gave him grace. I don't know if I'm making sense. God looked at Noah. So, in this instance, when they get the woman which has committed adultery, they start what? Stoning, eh? You remember? Bam! Bam! And at that particular point, everyone feels they are better than the woman they are beating. They are better than the woman they are what? They are beating. And Jesus said, okay, let me leave your level. Let me lift myself up above you. Because in this instance, all of you feel like you're better than this woman. But I'm above all of you. I have not no sin. I don't know sin. So, when he lifted himself, the Bible says, and he said unto them, he that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone. Meaning, I am the only, this is Christ, the the only one who hasn't sinned, cast a stone at her. Do you know when the scripture says that if you lift Jesus up, he'll draw men to himself? Preach grace. Preach grace. Men will come to service. Men will pray. Preach grace. Preach grace. Believe in his grace. Your life will change. Your body will respond. Your business will respond. Your marriage will respond. Do you know why people are divorced? They don't, they don't understand. They don't understand. That's why Jesus says, because of the hardness of your hearts. How has Jesus loved you? Uh-uh. Yes, he's bad, but how has Jesus loved you? Why do you feel you're better? Let me tell you, sin is sin. A man who murdered and a man who lied, they both go to hell. Go there and say, ah, uh-uh, this one should go in a little, little fire, <laughs> like a steam bus. <laughs> then this one should go in coals of fire. Like you're burning much. Then this one, a thousand degrees of furnace. No. Every sin is seen before God. So, the liar judges the murderer. (laughs) How can you kill your own? How? Oh my God. How?
You're so unholy. Kale, you, you, eh? Go, you, eh? I don't even think you're a man of God. I don't even think you're a woman of God. I, I doubt you're born again. Mm-mm, no, this is not. That's why as a man of God, me, I've had my personal rebukes from God. That's why I don't judge men. I don't judge men. I don't. Me, I don't. I don't. Even in the worst sinner, I will see grace. I'll see. Mukama, how do you look at him? I know the whole world says is this, but how do you look at him? I know the whole world says she's this, but you as God, how do you look at her? Then tells me I still love her. I still believe in her. She was left for the sword, but she'll find grace. She's a wilderness, but I will rest her. For us, where we're growing up, eh? the day you do something, eh? listen, sin is not good. And no man or woman born of God, I repeat, enjoys it. But it's also wrong for us to continue judging brethren without understanding how God sees them. Can I give you something that, that changed my life? Can I? One time God was talking to me about David. And he told me David killed Uriah and slept with Bathsheba. And it was sin. Exceedingly sinful. He didn't just commit adultery. He killed a man and took over his wife. But the Bible doesn't say that that day, God denounced David and said, he's no longer a man after my heart. Even in that, he was still a man after God's own heart. Even that. Mahatma Gandhi didn't do it. He probably didn't have a wife. Oh, he had one and he didn't kill. But if Mahatma Gandhi didn't confess the Lord Jesus as his savior, I promise you, Mahatma Gandhi is in hell. Even with all his words of wisdom. (laughs) For no man gets to the Father except through me. You can use Mary, use anything. But Jesus is the way. He's the truth. He's the life. So you want to tell me that because Mahatma didn't kill therefore, for him, he's going to go to heaven. (laughs) You're damn wrong. Are you with me? But for me, the mind that got the man who killed, and God still separated him from that and still said, even though you killed, I know your heart. You're after my heart. In fact, the original Hebrew word there is a man with God's heart. It's not after God. No. 
The literal Hebrew translation there is a man with God's heart. When you check David, he had the same heart God has. Not that God is a sinner. No. I'm talking of the spiritual part of David. And God could look through this man and dissect him and know, this is flesh, this is spiritual. You're still my man. Are you hearing me? You're still my man. The Bible says, let it be known and understood, clearly known and understood by brethren, that through this man, forgiveness and removal of sins is proclaimed to you. The next verse, and that through him, everyone who are who believes, acknowledges Jesus as his Savior and devotes himself to him, is absolved, cleared, and freed from every charge from which he could not be justified and freed by the law of Moses. And he's given what? Right standing with God. Child of God, do you believe in Jesus? It doesn't matter what you've done. I stand here to tell you that that man preaches the forgiveness and removal of sins and he acquits you from every charge. He didn't leave some things there. He says, I hear this one. I'm forgetting about this one. No. He took it all. That's why the KJV says, by him, let's read one, two, let's go. By him, all that believe are justified from all things. All that believe are justified by all. From all things. All. Simply believe. Simply believe. Justified. That's, that's finished. It's done. That's finished. For the believer, it's finished. He can't justify you. Because you're begotten of the incorruptible. So you cannot be corrupt again in your spirit. It's hard for some of you, but you'll understand it later. That's why Paul says, let it be clearly known and what? And understood. Now we took too long to know these things. Do you know you could carry sin for like 20 years? Every time you remember, you say, hey, God, I am sorry. And then you feel, ah, he hasn't forgiven you. Then you say, maybe if you say it on prayer mountain a bit louder, you say, then you say, ah, it refuses. You say, I think no. Let me turn to the camera. Father, you remember 1962? Ah, forgive me. Then you live there. Then you go again to 1972. And then you say, Father, I know it's 10 years ago, but up to today, I still, ha, Father, for, listen, tell you never forgive yourself. Forget it. Tell him again. And once more. Yes, and forget it. Forgive and forget it. Forgive yourself and what? And forget it. Titus 3, 7. The Bible says that because we are justified by his grace, we are made what? Heirs. We are made what? Heirs. According to what? To the hope of eternal life. Because we are justified. Because we are justified. We are made heirs. Uh, give me a message, I think. Message? Aha. Uh-huh. Let's read. Let's go. God's gift has what? 
Restored our what? Our relationship, uh huh. With Him and given us back our lives. And there is more life to come and eternal life. Oh, 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 oh. Read it again. Read it again. God's gift has what? Restored our relationship with Him. And then what? Given us back our lives. And there is more life to come and eternity of life. Do you know what that means? His gift has restored you to him and it has given you back your life. You lost it in your story. But he gives it back to you. (laughs) I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. It's only the gospel that can get a former prostitute and call her a virgin. It's not in any religion. Let me even say it when I'm walking down here. (laughs) C.S. Lewis, I don't know if some of you have heard the story. C.S. Lewis was one time involved in a debate and guys were debating. You know, the difference between Christianity and other religions. It was a debate. The difference between... Christianity and other religions. And then people debated and debated and debated and debated. And the story says, C.S. Lewis came in the room. And then they asked him, how am I? We've been debating here for hours. Between Christianity and other religions. And C.S. Lewis says, it's very simple. Grace. It's very simple. You can't find grace in Islam. You can't find grace in Mormon. You can't. It's only in here. <laughs> I won't marry her. She, she in her former life. Oh, shut up, shut up. <laughs> Me, uh, once a this, always a this. Shut up. She's a new creation in Christ. For behold, the old is past, and now the new. And the Bible says, and all things are of God. I would have married her, but she has a story. I would have married him, but he has a story. I would have gotten this, but he has that. I would have got into this, but he didn't have that. Listen. You can marry a one without a story and then you get in marriage and then he starts a story. If he says she's the one, just commit her to God for he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him to the day of Christ. He's able to sort her. Even if she's mad, he's able to sort her. Even if he's crazy, God is able to get that fellow and make him better than the one who never did. For when I am weak, then I know 
I am strong. Your greatest weakness is your greatest strength. If you're a gossiper, in the name of Jesus, you'll be trusted more. You'll stop selling your body and become the most faithful woman on earth. The most head-tempered man in the world. The Bible called him the most humble man on the earth. He gets a thief and then he makes him a treasurer. But now, God, you're wonderful. I believe in you. I believe in you. Regardless of your story, I believe in you. Whether you got pregnant before marriage and you gave birth, forgive yourself, move on, start your new life. They go dating and the first thing they say, you know, I have a child. No. That's not the point. If he's the one, whether you have 20 children. Oh! When Jesus says yes, no one can say no. Darling, get any man. You have three children. Who will marry you with children? Just marry any man. You tell them no. I got my life back. I'm a virgin like Mary. I got my life back. Tell your neighbor I got my life back. He has his eyes on me. He has his eyes on me. I repented. I changed my mind out of that life. You have no right to judge her. No right. She said sorry to God. What more do you want, devil? She was sorry. She screwed up, yes. But she said sorry. God removed even before she said sorry, God removed. Eh? What have you said? While we were yet sinners, Christ died. You mean God can forgive? Let me tell you. Let me tell you something. God doesn't look at men the way you look at them. Some of you confuse your grace with God's grace. You think that because you have a silly temper, God is also quick to anger like you know. Did the, when Jesus told them, when Jesus told God, forgive them, did he forgive them? Answer me. Did he forgive them? Did they say sorry? Jesus prayed for nothing. Repentance is not what takes away sin. 
Repentance is what makes you not go back. Because it means you've changed your mind. What removes our sin is blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Even if you repented without the shedding of blood, you're wasting time. Katikale, you repent without the blood. Muslims do that all the day. But they're not going to go to heaven. But the shedding of blood. Is the remission of sins. Repentance. Is the act to say. I'm not going back. Metanoia. Repentance means changing of mind. That's the word there, isn't it? The changing of your mind. To say this was stupid of me, I can't go back. Repentance is not what takes away sin. Repentance is what tells you don't go back. Repentance, the Greek word there, is changing of mindset, not removing of sin. You read. You read. It is changing of mind. The removal begins with the blood. Without that blood, even if you speak, you're wasting time. It is hard for you, but it's the truth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Some of you, you screwed up 20 years ago, 15 years ago. Up to today, you've never forgiven yourself. You, you still think, oh God, I think you're going to punish me. Somebody was saying that day, I was counseling and somebody said, I, I, I aborted the apostle. I think this is why God won't give me children. I told her, hush! Go there and think like that. If even me, I feel sorry for you. How much more God? Do you think I can be better? I told her, go get child. Don't waste our time. She's pregnant. Yes, it was wrong. Yes, you asked for forgiveness. Yes, you repented. Yes, move on. He removes. Also, you remove. And also, let me also ask you, humbly, remove sins from people. Eh, some of you, you're trying to clear yourself, but also you remove. your father did this to you, yes. Can you forgive the man and move on? It's like someone was testifying how their father raped them. Yeah? It was a hard thing. So they were giving lifetime experiences of being raped by their father. The man later became born again. He became a new creature. And I would advise that, kind, that sister, if the man has become born again, Okay, he did it. Stop. God doesn't hold that record anymore. This is a new creature. He's going to heaven. Can you stop it? You imagine if the whole New Testament is, they crucified me, they crucified me. You imagine the whole New Testament. Can you believe they crucified me? Can you believe Pontius Pilate? He looked at me and then he did nothing. Can I have an issue with that guy? His wife, I tampered with her the whole night. But the woman refused to respond. I have an issue with Agrippa. How could he let me go? 
Tell your neighbor there is more in the gospel. Tell them there is more in the gospel. They raped you. It is bad. Forgive. Move on. Get back your life. And marry virgin. Marry when you know you're what? A virgin. That's why I laugh at my my legal people, my legal friends who they are against grace, but they believe in secondary virginity. I don't understand what they mean. <laughs> but how can you listen? With God, all things are possible. With God, not with you, sir, but with God, all things are possible. Let go, move on. I don't know who I'm talking to. But today I was praying and the Lord told me there are people who have failed to forgive themselves. They always go back to 1992. Oh, I wish I knew. Yes, you wish you knew. There is nothing that happened that he didn't know was going to happen. Okay, can we start another page? Even God is bored. You imagine that you're a mother and every time your child comes to you and tells you, hey, mommy, you remember the flask I broke when I was two? Then they make 20. They said it at 15. They come back, mommy. Do you remember the flask I broke when asked? Then they make 30. Then they say, mommy. Do you remember? Then they make 40. Mommy. The flask. Paul says, one thing that I do. One He says, one thing, there is one thing I always keep doing. That I forget the former things and look ahead. Forget. He says, I, can't, I could not. He says, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. I'm not there yet. But this one thing I do is forgetting those things which are behind and reaching for those things which are before. Listen. God is in your future. Last year's sin is not in your future. God is. Forget those things. Okay, yes. Forget them now. Okay, we know. You're a bad girl. Okay, now stop. Please. Look at the things ahead. Look at the things ahead. Look at the things ahead. Forget them. Message. Message it. <laughs> I love the way he says it. Friends, don't get me wrong. Do I account myself an expert in all things? But I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. God is not looking you back in 1992. No. Every other day he's telling you, go forward. Go forward. Go forward. Move ahead. Jesus is ahead of you. Go forward. Exclusively known to Ugandans. Forgive the syntax. Not intended. Amplified. 
He says, I do not consider, brethren, that I have captured and made it my own yet. But one thing I do, it is my one aspiration. Forget what lies and straining forward. There's a straining forward to what lies ahead. Forget your past. And don't make anyone remind you. The moment they start to tell them, brother, I don't remember. I don't know what you're talking about. You remember when you escaped? I don't know. When? Act stupid until he understands it. I'm helping somebody. I don't know who. But I'm helping somebody. Forget your past. God doesn't look at you like that. Even me as a pastor, I don't look at my children by their past. I refuse. Every time I go there, I repent. I say, yeah, 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 no, 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 new creature. New creature. New creature. New creature. New creature. New creature. Imputing righteousness. New creature. New creature. That is how Christ is. Imputing righteousness. Nothing. Aha! Do you remember? You remember those kids when we were young? Oh, tio, tio. You beat your young brother at 10 a.m. He cries and keeps quiet. Mommy comes back at 2. You beat Cyrus in the morning. Mommy comes back at 2. She enters the gate. Oh! Like you've just beaten the guy. Now the devil is bad. For him, he doesn't. What's wrong? He has beaten me. He can't say he beat me in the morning. No, yeah, he has beaten like it is fresh. Then they buffet you, clobber you. Some Christians are like that. You had them two years ago. He has beaten me. You had them 20 years ago. He has beaten me. Even yesterday. Close it. That's why the Bible says, do not let the sun go down on your anger. Don't. Because the next day, it's no longer your justification. It's your sin. It's your evil. The next day, even if the other one was wrong, you're the wrong one the next day. Be angry and sin not. And let not your sun go upon your ass. The moment that sun comes back up. I, 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 I was telling a couple a few days ago. I told them, look, that's why people fail in marriage. They sleep with anger and wrath. Then they wake up with another spirit. Regardless of what he has done, say it before you sleep. Chimogambe, tell your neighbor. Regardless of what she or he has done. Talk about it before you sleep. Honey, honey, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. I have an issue. But then 
Sam. They don't say nothing. God bless you. Sam. They don't say nothing. Yes, yeah. Hello. Hello. Oh, him. Good morning. I said good morning. It doesn't matter what he did to you. The next day, you're not right. The next day, you're not right. Why? Because his mercies are new every morning. Every morning, God wakes up with mercy for you. Not that he sleeps. I mean, he wakes you up with mercy. Every morning. He says, now what am I going to do? Then, the man and God are on one page for you of stating yesterday. Then you pray and your prayers are not hard because you're still in yesterday. But he says, when you stand praying, firstly, do what? Don't, don't speak in tongues. He says, Mark 11, he says, and when you stand praying, do what? If you hold against any other, that's your father, ampli- uh, message, he says, and when you assume the posture of prayer, if you have anything against someone, forgive. Only then will your heavenly father be inclined also to wipe your slate. Unforgiveness might keep a record for you. <laughs> that is why some people are not healed. You have not forgiven. You're sick. You've done everything. You've made every confession of prayer. But when you examine yourself, you fail to let go of your husband, your child, your daughter, your sister. I can't forgive her. It was too much apostle. You don't understand. Listen. I don't care how you claim it. We have done worse to God. And he has still forgiven us. Let's finish where we, we, we began and I'll let you go. In uh, Jeremiah 31, there was someone I was reading there. God is delivering someone. He says, that saith the Lord. Give me the message. This is the way God put it. They found grace out in the desert. These people who survived the killing, Israel, out of looking for a place to rest. Next verse. They met God out looking for them. He was looking. Grace. 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 You know, you've sinned, but he's still saying grace. <laughs> you've sinned, but you're still my child. Grace. Grace. You know, you're, you're, yeah, you're running away, but he's still saying, my child. This is not important. My child. My child. 
My child. You understand? I, but I've wronged you. I'm not worthy. Yes. Where are you? We'll sort it when I see you. You're my child. They were looking for him. And he was looking for them. They would hide from him and he was still looking for them. Let me tell you, if you're a parent, you understand what I mean. Your child can do the worst thing in the world. You who have children, you know what I mean. But when you hear that a wild animal has got your child, it does not matter what they've done. I don't know that you understand what I mean. Your child can be the worst thing in the world. But when you hear that a wild animal has held your child, that day it doesn't matter whether they're wrong or right. They're your children. And you are a man. How much more God? Pastors, even when our own have screwed up, the first thing to ask is, where are they? It's not what they've done first. What should be important to us as shepherds is, where are they? Do you understand what I mean? It doesn't matter what they've done. The point is, you look for them. You look for them. Do you understand what I'm saying? A lady one time came for counseling and told me, me, I've lived all my life 100% true to God. And then my father died. And I felt like God was taking me for granted. Because there are friends of mine who are doing everything wrong, but it seems as though he blesses them. Now I've remembered the scripture of Jesus living 999. And then he goes looking for one lost sheep. He's looking after a lost sheep. And then he's living, he's taking the 99 for granted. I'm among the 99 apostles. So I told her, so you want to get lost? Maybe let me go live my life. I told her, no. No. He has not left you because he doesn't care about you. He has left you because he knows you understand his heart. There was a point also when you needed to be looked out for and he left a 99 somewhere. It's somebody's turn. Understand he's our father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I shared somebody the story. I was watching that geo. And crocodiles got a young one of a lioness caught in the act. And this lioness entered water like it loves water. It started running after its own and this crocodile kept chewing its young one. And it started to fight and fight and fight until the crocodile swallowed the young one. And then other crocodiles surrounded it. And it put its eyes off the surrounding crocodiles and kept on looking for its one. It didn't care whether they were going to maraud it. It didn't care whether they were going to eat it up. It was just caring, where is my child? It didn't care how much danger it is in, no. It's just saying, where is my child? And that's an animal. 
matter anymore. You know, when I look at the love of God, sometimes I weep. I say, God, how you love us. If an, if an animal can feel like that for her little one, how much more God? Who created that beast? Next verse, the message. Let's, let's finish. Let's finish. They met God out looking for them. God told them, I never quit loving you. And I will never. He told them, if you have expectation, expect love, love, and more love. Next verse. And so now, I'll start over with you. And I will build you up again. I know you have a story, but I can still build you up again and take you back to innocence. I know you have a history, but I can still build you up and take you back like you were before. I can. God can build you back. Even if it's a failing marriage, God can build it back. He can. You're just hard-hearted. You're just hard-hearted. There's nothing God cannot build back. Nothing God cannot build back. Nothing. He says, so now I'll start over with you and build you up again. Dear Virgin Israel, she has heard with other men. She has worshipped other gods. That's whoredom. But he's calling Israel a virgin. They've worshipped other gods. Literally, they have committed adultery with other men because he's their what? Bride. Groom, right? He's their groom. But in that, he says, he calls it virgin Israel. Do you want to tell me Israel had not screwed up? Read church history. When did Jeremiah send that prophecy? How many years before Israel had rebelled and unrebelled and rebelled and unrebelled and rebelled and unrebelled? But he calls them virgin Israel. He says, you'll resume your singing, grabbing tambourines and joining the dance. You'll go back to your old work of planting vineyards on the Samaritan hillside and sit back and enjoy the fruit. Oh, how you love those harvests. The time is coming. When watchmen will call out from the hilltops of Ephraim on your feet, let's go to Zion. Go meet our God. Next verse. Oh yes, God says so. Shout for joy at the top of your lungs for Jacob. Announce the good news to the number one nation. Raise cheers, singing praise. Say, God has saved his people. He has saved the call of Israel. Somebody just raise your hands and say, God. Let's speak in other tongues. Can you just take a moment and thank God for His grace? The steadfast love, steadfast love of the Lord, I'll never see. Mercy's name will come. Out. 
Forgive yourself. Forgive those who wrong you. Remove their sin. Remove your sin. Because God did that. Let go and love them. Love them. Love them. Thank you, Jesus. Listen, if you're here and you've never given your life to Christ, I do not want to close this meeting without giving you the opportunity to receive the Lord Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Stretch up your hand wherever you are. Whether you're in the overflow, whether you're here, put up your hand. I see two hands there by one person. God bless you. Put up your hand and say, I want to receive Jesus today. God bless you. God bless you. Say, I need Jesus. God bless you in the back. I see those hands. God bless you. In the overflow, I see a hand by faith somebody just clap your hands and say ah thank you lord if you have put up your hand i feel there's another person i feel there's another person i feel there's another person put up your hand and say i need jesus today i need jesus tell him i need you just say One day, till I need you, Jesus. But that love was shared for me. Tell him I need you, Lord. And that love If you're here and you want Jesus, put up your hand. Put up and say, I want Jesus. I feel there are more people. Usually I don't insist, but I feel there are more people. Come on, just raise and say, I need Jesus. Just Put up. I am your hands just say Lord Jesus I believe with my heart that you died and rose again that you're both Savior and Lord of my life from today Amen The message you have just heard was brought to you by Thenero Ministries International for more information, contact us on telephone number 
1-800-242-4291 or email us at funerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.funero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Fenero. Make manifest. Thank you.